Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward. I'm Ron Jorloff. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Before we get into our conversation today, we want to announce that we are bringing back our annual Christ-Centered Exposition Workshop on April 7th at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. For the past two years now, the workshop has been canceled. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, the Christ-Centered Exposition Workshop is an annual event based off of the Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary Series by B&H. Each year, we focus on a book of the Bible and one of the commentaries in the Christ-Centered Exposition Series and work through how to effectively preach and teach it. This year's workshop will be on Revelation. Our main speaker will be our president and author of the Revelation Commentary, Dr. Danny Aiken. Dr. Benjamin Merkel and the man sitting directly across from me will also serve as speakers for the event. Again, this workshop is taking place on April 7th at Southeastern. To learn more about the event, you can visit CCE Workshop 2022 at eventbrite.com, or you can visit our website, pastorcenter.org, and click the events tab. We look forward to seeing you there. Today, brother, we are continuing our conversation on meaningful membership. So Mm -hmm. we started this series last week. We're continuing the series today by talking about pastors and equipping members in a local church. And I don't think we can tackle this topic uh, effectively without talking about preaching. Mm -hmm. So, brother, let's start off by discussing how preaching equips members in a local church. Yeah, so obviously the ministry of the Word is vitally important to the equipping of uh, of the saints, and really the, the wording and the language uh, that we even use uh, for that is in Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4, Paul gives uh, teaching ministries. He doesn't mention preaching in there uh, in particular, but he, uh, if preaching is one of the uh, responsibilities of the shepherds, then you could obviously group it there. But he gave uh, the apostles, the prophets, uh, the evangelists, the shepherds, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So if you're looking for the word preaching, you're not going to find the word preaching there. It's not there. But apostles preach, prophets preach, evangelists preach, shepherds and teachers preach. You know, So, uh, so all of those ministries are, in one way or another, preaching ministries. So Paul envisions uh, the ministry of the proclamation of the word as being there uh, for the purpose of equipping uh, the church. In fact, he goes on, uh, if you look a little bit before, he says there in verse 11 that he gave these apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. But that's uh, within the context of uh, verse 7, where he says, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he quotes Psalm 68, where he says, when he ascended on high, he led uh, led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And so the gifts that Paul is talking about here uh, in in this context are these people. Mm. Uh, It's the apostles, it's the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, you know, these, these folks are tasked with 
the equipping of the of the members, the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. So uh, preaching is vitally important. Uh, the week in, week out, regularly uh, uh, listening to the Word of God proclaimed, listening to what the what the Spirit is saying through the preacher of the Word to the the church there, the local church there, uh, God designed for that regular rhythm uh, to equip the saints and to shape them uh, to then go out and uh, and and do the work of the ministry. No, I think that's really, really helpful. So preaching is, would you say, the primary way pastors equip the church? Uh, it certainly is the the most regular way. <laughs> I mean, uh, week in and week out, you have folks that are gathering uh, to worship the Lord and to hear the word preached. And, uh, and, and so uh, it's at least the most regular way uh, of equipping the, the saints. All of the other times, obviously, you got to schedule them. You got to figure out when you're going to get together. You may have events that may come every once in a while and things like that. Of course, one-on-one discipleship and, 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 and everything. But every Sunday, every, every gathering, we're gathering together and we're expecting, you know, the word of God to shape the people of God. Absolutely. So preaching is a major way we equip members each week, but there are many other ways church members are served and serve one another in, in local churches. I think of, of Sunday school classes, of, of small groups, of Bible studies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, prayer meetings mm-hmm. uh, and, and conferences, those things. Some churches do those. Why? Why are these things important to do in addition to preaching? Yeah, well, it goes back to the uh, the the predominant image of the church that Paul gives us, and that is the image of a body. Uh, in the church, God has equipped uh, the the saints, as we saw in Ephesians four. Uh, he equips the saints to do the work of the ministry. And, and he does so in such a way with the imagery that he uses in Ephesians 4, the imagery that you see in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, you have this, this language of body life. Mm. It's, it's there that the body of Christ, the local church there, is able to use the gifts that have been given by the Holy Spirit uh, as it says there uh, in many of those texts, in fact, the ones that I just mentioned, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and so on, they're, they're there for the purpose of edifying the body. Um, now you think, what is what is edifying? What does that mean? Well, if you've ever heard of an edifice, uh, you're talking about a building. It's It's some type of construction. Well, to edify the body is to build it up. It's to construct the body, right. uh, to help the body grow, to help the body uh, uh, strengthen, to help the body be more equipped. You know, to to serve the community and to and to represent Christ even more effectively, and so on. So, uh, our it's not just our time. Uh, being served by uh, the pastor as the pastor is is using his gifts uh, for the body, but it's also in our engaging with one another uh, when you are uh, engaging in service, when you're engaging in hospitality, when you are engaging with counseling and so on, when you're engaging in Bible study, when you're engaging in prayer meetings and all of that, when you're able to interact with your brothers and sisters in the local church, and each one is using gifts as the Holy Spirit has has equipped this, uh, uh, your, your local body, has equipped the congregation, uh, you are in many ways uh, sh- able to shape other people 
and you are being shaped by them mm -hmm. uh, to become more like Jesus. It's in that context that we grow and that we grow most. Yeah, that context of community, you mm -hmm. know, understanding that it's not just the pastor that equips the church, but mm -hmm. the church, you know, equips and encourages and loves on and serves one another. And, you know, I think of, of, uh, of our church that we're plugged into now, uh, one of the the most encouraging things that we that we have each week is our small group. Mm -hmm. And man, especially during COVID, uh, I saw just how, how beautiful it was for us to come alongside one another and serve one another. When one of us was sick or needed groceries, coming alongside that person and, and, and helping them with those needs. And when, when someone, you know, had family members that were, were lost and, yeah. and just there was suffering or, or the loss of a loved one, we, you know, there was uh, someone in our care group that recently uh, lost a loved one. To have other members come alongside that that brother or sister and just let them know they're praying for them, mm -hmm. uh, tending to whatever needs there are, man, that's just that's just beautiful. And yeah. uh, again, that's equipping happens. Yes, during the Sunday service, during the the, the gathering. Uh, but it also happens in these other other areas of discipleship, you know, mm -hmm. like small groups. You know, another thing that our church does that I think is really helpful is we have weekend workshops, you know, mm -hmm. every now and then. Um, so we've done weekend workshops on depression and anxiety, mm -hmm. uh, on suffering and grief, mm -hmm. um, topics that that are obviously something that uh, church members need to know how to process or how to go mm -hmm. through or how to lead others through. Mm -hmm. And so there are plenty of other opportunities that our church does that have been really, really helpful. Uh, another is equip classes that are kind of like discipleship classes. Mm -hmm. um, I've been able to teach some of these. These are classes that happen typically Sunday night. They haven't really been a thing since COVID. We're hoping to bring them back. But on, on Sunday night, there's multiple options for church members to sign up for. You know, we've gone through Hebrews, Psalms. So we've done book studies. Uh, we've done like theology mm -hmm. and doctrine. So there's there's a wide array of, of topics. Yeah. But all of these things are doing something, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're 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 cultivating a a sense of service towards one another. They're stirring affections for the local church and for and for Christ. And and man, that's just that's just it's good. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about what these things look like for for church members, how we're equipping them and and serving them and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about kids for a second. Mm -hmm. Kids and youth. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important that we have programs and that uh, parents consider taking their kids even to the Sunday gathering? Why is it so important to to focus on ways to equip them so early? Yeah. Uh, well, for starters, because they're human. <laughs> I mean, if they are, uh, if if the Lord is is um, is is correct, which He is, uh, that to such as these, to such as the children, are the kingdom of heaven, then obviously we are to uh, to make a priority of discipling our children. Uh, so the if you remember the story in the Gospels, the People were bringing their kids. I know in Luke, uh, the people were bringing, uh, Luke even used the term of infants 
uh, to Jesus. And so you think about the ministry there, the ministry uh, seems to go all the way to the uh, to little teeny babies, you know, nursery <laughs> kids and so on. And, and they're bringing them to Jesus and the disciples saw it and they were just not having it. You know, we're not having these kids over here, you know, the, you know, crawling all over Jesus and running all over the place. I mean, it was a, to them, it was like madness, you know, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And so he elevates the importance and the value of children. He doesn't kick them out. He welcomes them into his kingdom. I, I think also you have uh, Deuteronomy 6, uh, the ministry of Deuteronomy 6 of teaching your children to love the Lord your God with all their heart, soul, and strength. Uh, he says that you are to teach this to your children. And when they ask, why in the world do we you know, have to do this? Why in the world you know, is, is this so important? Then you tell them the story of redemption. For Israel, it was the Exodus story. You, you remind them of how we were slaves, uh, not in Egypt, but we were slaves to sin. And how the Lord has rescued us and he has set us apart to be his people uh, so that we would serve and obey him. And so uh, there's a gospel opportunity uh, when you teach your children. So for pastors, there's really a twofold uh, ministry there. You want to provide the resources and so on for children to shepherd the children that are there. Think about this. The children that are there are probably uh, more than likely going to be the future leaders of this church. Right. And so you want to make sure that you're shepherding them well. You want to make sure you're giving them a proper framework for understanding who God is, understanding the gospel, understanding uh, you know the, uh, the what it means to follow and to serve him and so on. Uh, but then uh, alongside of discipling the children, you want to disciple the parents. Uh, so what are you providing for parents? How are you helping them in that task? Really the first task, uh, which is uh, which is not that you would shepherd the children, but that mom and dad would shepherd the children uh, and care for them well and lead them well. So how are you counseling them? How are you providing resources and so on for them so that they uh, understand a little bit better what it means to be a dad, what it means to be a mom, what it means for dad to love mom and mom to love dad so that you model the gospel well for your children. Uh, so yeah, the, the church should be uh, a whole home <laughs> discipleship uh, uh, place. It should be a place where families are equipped and families are, are, uh, are trained uh, to serve one another, to love one another, and to grow together in Christ. I love how you focused on the family there, because I do think that's obviously something pastors want to do. They want to intentionally mm -hmm. pour into moms and dads to then pour into their kids. Mm -hmm. I think one of the temptations is that we often don't give kids enough credit mm -hmm. for what, what they can oh, sure. handle. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we say, well, maybe it's too much. Maybe this is too theologically rich for them to understand, but that we totally forget these kids are learning chemistry and algebra and, mm -hmm. you know, they're learning. My, my son learned, has learned more Spanish mm -hmm. in the past. Like he's in first grade and he knows more Spanish than I know. Yeah. And so our kids can definitely handle these things mm -hmm. and it's going to be, you know, harder for them to handle these things if it's not done early, yeah. earlier. 
Um, you know, not, I, to, not to mention if they're able to sit down for multiple hours and watch, you know, Avengers or Harry Potter <laughs> or something like that. And, right. and if they can, you know, uh, memorize, a, you know, a, right. a handful of TikTok dances, you know, and, and, and so on, then they have the mental capacity to read the Bible and to hear the Bible and to memorize the Bible uh, and, and so on. So, yeah, that, right. I, I don't believe for one second that children are incapable of learning God's word, given all right. the other things that they learn. Shout out to Mark Young, one of our one of our writers. One of the quotes from his article he wrote about the need for expository preaching in student ministry is is a uh, I think it was something like if if they can you know deal with the Pythagorean theorem, they can hang with Mark and and Luke and John and all these others. Yes, um, I'll never forget one of the first moments where I was like, man, my son actually pays attention. Uh, we were we were at church. Our pastor was preaching and. You know, we the the church handed out these these notebooks for kids to kind of doodle on or whatever. You know, it has like what's the main idea? Draw a picture, ask questions, and things you might not understand. And so he he was kind of doodling in that, and I it didn't look like he was paying attention. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we got home from church, you know, I was like, I want to see what he was writing down because he was really he was, he was really focused, but he wasn't ever looking up. Like he uh-huh. didn't like he was engaged with with what was our pastor was preaching. And yeah, I looked and. Dude was writing down questions that he had. He was writing down the points. He was writing down this. I was just amazed. Mm-hmm. And it was then I was like, man, have I missed opportunities to 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 do more with him? Like, because I, I just assumed that he he couldn't handle as much as, as he could. Yeah. And so I do think that's a temptation that even pastors have to think about. Like, how can we create programs and things that can really help kids at their level? Mm-hmm. But they're not that's not too elementary for them. Yeah. It does push them. Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact of the matter is we live in a world where the need is 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 getting greater and greater as time goes by. If you are not discipling uh, parents, if you are not discipling your children, someone else is. Right. Pastor, if you're not shepherding the children in your church, someone else is. Mm. Uh and, and we just have to be very much aware that uh, we are not in a culture. We've never been in a culture uh, that has Christ at the center. We we have never been in a culture uh, that that cares for the hearts and the souls of uh, of the of the young ones in your in your church. You've got to be very mindful of that. And so, how do we help impart wisdom uh, and discernment? Uh, not just for knowing the warning signs and so on in here, but but how do we cultivate a, a life of wisdom so that we we learn what to do in this world and we learn how to live in this world? Not just uh, you know, we're not just giving folks a, a list of all the don'ts that you that you have in life, but we're actually showing them the goodness and the beauty of of living life rightly in Christ. In this world, uh, yeah, you um, you want to make sure that parents have the resources that they need, uh, so that they may shepherd their children well, and uh, and and you also need to make sure that uh, that children have a community here in the church where they're loved well and where they're able to serve well. Right, and hopefully we can do a podcast episode soon, more focused on how to implement some of these strategies for kids and mm-hmm. for families. So mm-hmm. hopefully that will be coming soon. So we're talking a lot about different programs like small groups and stuff. And, and we we recognize not all churches are the same. Some mm-hmm. churches can do certain things and it works and it clicks and some some try them and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But what pastors probably want to know is if I do things, how how can I measure to see if they're if they're working? Mm-hmm. So 
The next question that I have is how can pa- pastors measure success? You know, how can they assess how certain things they're doing are working and equipping and forming the church? Should they look at numbers? Should they look at attendance? Should they have conversations with their members? Or is there something else that they can use to gauge where they're at? Yeah. I, I, I want to be careful when it comes to uh, the question, <laughs> how do you measure success? Uh, because first of all, the question is, uh, the, the question kind of demands another question, which is what is success? Right. <laughs> what, what is, what is success? Um, if success is the, 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 uh, growth of the church, the expansion of the church and, and so on, then of course you could look at numbers and so on for attendance uh, or, or for, for measurements of success. Uh, you know, and so that, that can be the case, but I think when it comes to success, uh, the measurement should be for the pastor. Am I being faithful? Right. Am I being faithful? Uh, think of someone like Jeremiah. I, I, I think about Jeremiah often. Uh, Jeremiah pastor or pastors, he is a prophet uh, there in Judah. And he was there for about nearly 40 years uh, of doing ministry there, of, of proclaiming the word, preaching the word and so forth. And after about 40 years of ministry there, uh, Babylon comes in, <laughs> Babylon uh, takes him and, and several others captive, whoever they didn't take captive, they executed, you know, and they burn the place down, including the destruction of the temple. Now, the question is, was Jeremiah successful? Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, what, was he successful? He had a message week in a week out, you know, uh, uh, and so on. Uh, repent, turn, turn from the uh, from your sin, turn to the Lord, you know, and, and so on. And after about four decades of saying so, uh, very few people turned um, and the entire country is burned, you know, burned to the ground. Right. right? Uh, so you go, OK, uh, if I'm a pastor and I don't have numerical growth, am I a failure? Well, not necessarily. Right. Uh, you know, we would hope that the Lord would add to your number, just like we see the pattern in the book of Acts and over and over and over again, it says the Lord added to their number, the, the church grew, the church multiplied and so on. We would hope that that would be the case. Uh, but there are many factors, you know, involved in it not being the case. It right. may not happen that way. You may be in a very hostile place. You know, you may be in a, in a, in a community that just simply is not open to the gospel, but you've got a couple of folks here that are serving the Lord and you keep going and getting the gospel out and so on. You know, that's the case. So I think the in terms of success for the pastor, are you being faithful? And for the church, I think that's the measurement for the church's success. Is the church being faithful? Right. If you are there to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, and all that's said there in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, then the question is, do we look like this? Yeah. All right? right. Are people doing the work of the ministry? It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, certainly it won't be uh, perfect. But do you see more and more people in the church body doing the work of the ministry? Are they serving one another? Are they getting the gospel out? Are they loving one another? Are they laying down their lives for each other? Are they sacrificing for one another? Uh, you know, are they, as, as it says in uh, Ephesians 4.15, are they speaking the truth and love? 
do you see folks uh, not no longer carried about by every wind of doctrine, as it says in verse 14, um, but are they growing up uh, in every way into him who is the head, into Christ? Do you see people who are building one another up, as verse 16 says, in love? You know, are they are they are you seeing the love of Christ abounding more and more, which was Paul's prayer uh, to the Philippians in, in Philippians one? You know, do you see these signs that that the the word is taking root in the hearts of your people and and that it's cultivating a sense of Christ likeness and Christ exalting uh, a community there uh, among the body that is the measure of success so I, I get it you got to look at numbers you got to yeah. look at attendance you got to look at all these different things but I think the the fundamental question you need to be asking is are the people growing in Christ mm. and and are are we seeing more and more of the fingerprints of Christ and the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit on our people and so much in that to, to break down and really just appreciate the emphasis on just faithfulness in ministry. And, and many people would say, well, that's really hard to measure. And it can be, but you gave some really good examples on how you can actually see, are we doing this? Are we being faithful? You know, one of the things that I that I like to say is the, the lack of empty seats doesn't like indicate a lack of need, right? Just because mm-hmm. you got seats filled doesn't mean that the need is filled, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all know that it's not hard to attract a following uh, and we all know it's hard. It's not hard to have people in pew, in the pew and and not uh, growing. And so mm-hmm. your numbers can be really deceptive. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can have bodies and seats and be unsuccessful at equipping those entrusted to you. Numbers alone don't really reveal a lot, but numbers defined do. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to look at a number and and say, well, we're successful. But I will look at the number of tears being shed with brothers and sisters that are grieving and say, we're successful. Yeah. You know, I'm not yeah. going to look at someone sitting in a chair and say that's successful, but I will look at someone on their knees and praying with their brothers and sisters in Christ as we're successful. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at numbers defined, not just numbers by themselves. Yeah. And I do think there are ways to, for pastors to get a better sense of asking the question. I think talking to their members, mm-hmm. are there things that we can do to better fulfill our mission as a church, getting input from from members and, and their leaders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like as pastors are, are thinking through adding discipleship opportunities, like let's say small groups or something like that, uh, one of the ways they can get a sense of, is this working, is by talking to the people they've appointed to be leaders in that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we did recently, uh, about a year ago, is we, we created a discipleship curriculum for our small groups to go through. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we, or actually two ways we were trying to get a sense of, is this working? You know, are things going well with this was, you know, we would have the small group leaders fill out kind of a survey of where, did they feel like people were participating? Did they feel like, you know, people were getting it and all that, but they also sent that out to the church. So I do think there are ways to get answers to, are certain things working? But the overall question of like, is our church successful? It has to be measured by the, the amount of faithful service to one another and to the community mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. So we, we've, let, let's talk to a pastor who's looking to implement some additional opportunities we've talked about. So mm-hmm. small groups, you know, discipleship classes, et cetera. How, how should he go about putting some of these things in place where they're not currently at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think first, before you start implementing, you it, it, you might want to uh, do some teaching to to communicate why. Why are we doing this? Is that to place. prevent 
potential pushback. Oh, of course, <laughs> that's part of it. The other thing too is it it helps to uh, to um, to frame uh, what it is that we're doing. Uh, we're not doing all of this stuff because you know it, it because it's it, it's fun or we're doing this because it's the next cool fad for the church or anything like that. We're doing this because we want to grow. We want to grow and we want to grow together. We want to help you grow. We want to help you be equipped so that you can serve and serve well. So I'd probably do some teaching on the front end uh, just to lay out a vision for what this is and what we want to do and what we need to be as a local church if we're going to serve well uh, and we're going to be faithful to uh, to the calling that God has given to us. Uh, so that's the first thing. But then uh, I would honestly, I would start small. If you have leaders there at the church already, I would go to work discipling them and training them. Uh, what do they need to be? If they've already have some folks under them, you know, say they've got a Sunday school class or, or something like that, invest in some type of leadership training for them. Uh, show them that what we're doing here is not just reading curriculum, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and everything, but no, this is your ministry right. to the church. Right. All right. We're not just uh, asking you to stand up and read, <laughs> read a book. You know, we're asking you to, to, uh, to think about your people and think about, you know, their lives. Think about how uh, you can uh, help them uh, love Jesus and how you can help them uh, help equip them to serve him uh, and to serve him well. So so you're going to have to change the understanding of, you know, the existing ministries in the church. And if it's one of those things where where they aren't so easily, you know, turned, you know, that that the the ministry is kind of made to go in a direction contrary to uh, this mission, this vision, uh, then you may have to consider retiring that ministry. Right. Now, do so you know, carefully, uh, because obviously you have folks who get attached to ministries, they get attached to, uh, you know, to rhythms and routines and things like that. Uh, or you may have somebody where this ministry changed their lives 35 years ago. And, yeah. <laughs> and so you they know, have an ownership of it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so what you want to do then is you want to help them uh, take ownership of, of, you know, this, uh, we want to see more people growing in Christ. We want to see more people, you know, who see these spaces and see these opportunities as, um, as places where they can grow places where, where they learn places where they are, where they wrestle, you know, with, um, uh, uh, with their lives and wrestle with the truth of God's word. And they're thinking, how can I apply this to my life? And how can I think specifically about how this applies to my home, to my family, to my job and so on. And, uh, and so you need spaces and con uh, context for that. So, uh, train your leaders, uh, invest in them, have regular times of fellowship with them, regular times, uh, uh, working, uh, and, and implementing, uh, in their lives, uh, you know, how they can best teach, uh, and see teaching as a, an opportunity for discipleship. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, think about the spaces. If it means reimagining some spaces, if it means uh, tearing some spaces down and, and replacing it with something that's more uh, more equipped for disciple making, uh, you know, think about those uh, those different things. And then I'd also say, uh, whatever you do in terms of leadership training, whatever you do in terms of the the spaces that you cultivate and so on, uh, to think about uh, your each ministry as a reproducing ministry. Mm. Okay. So it's not just where folks come and sit and have a great time and think about their lives and then they go home. 
but it's rather you're they're here and they're spending time thinking not just about their own lives, but thinking about how this could help them in the discipling of other people's lives. That's the end game. We want to keep reproducing. We want to keep uh, uh, spreading the gospel and 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 cultivating the way of Christ in other people's lives. Uh, and and so yeah, um, have that as the end game. Has that have that as the goal, and then use that as you're thinking through your leadership training and as you're thinking through the the spaces for discipleship. And that's so helpful. And it's a healthy remi- helpful reminder to realize that not all churches are the same and some processes might take longer than others in mm-hmm. implementing some of these things and and some are going to look different from others so you can't just you know take such and such churches and just put it on yourself and absolutely so it does take time mm-hmm. uh and i do think training leaders and making that a regular thing not just a one and done one of the things that we've been really blessed with at our church is just you know regularly we're having leadership meetings for our small group leaders and and that's really helpful so mm-hmm. You know, let me let me say one more thing. If there if there are some folks who push back, you know, say the we've never done this before crowd, or uh, you're just trying to take over the church crowd, or whatever, who, whatever the the complaint is, just ask a simple question: Why are we here? Right. <laughs> right. Why are we here? You know, are we are we here just for the sake of being here, or is something supposed to happen yeah. when we gather together? Well, it's almost like sometimes people can be content with not growing, like mm-hmm. content with the familiarity yeah. of the people that are around them. And when you start to tinker with that, it, it can be problematic. Yeah. We're creatures of habit. And unfortunately, you know, it, it doesn't matter if the habit is good or bad. We're, we're creatures. <laughs> we're creatures of habit. And, and, and you may have to do some work, you know, of, of re- reteaching and retraining your people so that discipleship is back at the heart you know of uh, of your local church and of your gathering every single space should be a space for discipleship it doesn't mean that every space is a space for teaching you know uh, formal teaching of the word but in every single space of your local church people should be being formed uh, uh, in Christ likeness, whether you're talking about the kitchen, you know, or whether you're talking about, you know, the, co- the sanctuary right. in every single space, uh, you should be thinking, how does this place help people, uh, become more like Jesus? That's a good word. Last question. Over the past two years, COVID has really disrupted a lot of things. Pastors and churches were doing to equip members. You know, many churches still aren't having Sunday school or some of the extra discipleship opportunities that they were pre COVID. And honestly, a lot of pastors have a sense of like discouragement from that, feeling like they've had have to start over. Mm-hmm. All the work they've done has kind of been erased. Mm-hmm. And if you could just provide a couple of words of encouragement for pastors that might be feeling that, might be feeling just burnt out on the thought of having to reestablish those rhythms, mm-hmm. reestablish volunteers to fill needs, all of those things. What what words of encouragement do you have for those? Yeah. Well, just think back. Uh, just think back over the over the the recent history. Think back over the centuries. There was a time where there wasn't a small group, you know, meet at home uh, uh, community. There was a time where that didn't exist. There was a time where there wasn't Sunday school, you know, or any type of adult discipleship or or things like that. There was a time where there wasn't VBS, you know, for the kids. Uh, there was a time when all of these things didn't exist. 
so how did they exist? When did they pop up? Well, they popped up when somebody said, you know, what would be a great way to disciple people. <laughs> yeah, it would be really great to disciple people in community. So why don't we meet in each other's homes and kind of follow the pattern that we see in Acts 2? And, and, uh, and you know, uh, maybe if we do that, you know, we'd have this greater sense of, of bond, greater sense of fellowship and relationship and, and all of that. And we could discipleship much more. Uh, we could disciple each other much more personally and, and, and so forth. And, well, that started and, you know, that started to spread and that started to multiply. Praise God for that. Could it be that this is one of those times where we just have to think again, you know, and 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 rethink and reimagine, if you will, uh, how we're going to uh, to help uh, disciple, how we're going to lead our people, how we're going to care for our people and shepherd our people instead of being a time where we are fretting that, you know, the the rhythms aren't exactly the same as they've always been or things like that. Maybe this is a time where the Lord is is causing us to think about, you know, a, a, another way of setting the rhythm, right. <laughs> a resetting of the rhythm. Um, now, it may mean that you guys um, may have to, you know, think outside the box. If you did much of your ministry in the in the sanctuary uh, and you've got folks who are, you know, a bit more, uh, you know, they're a bit hesitant, you know, to to spend so much time in such large gatherings and and, and things like that. Well, you could uh, work hard, you know, and shepherd well, and 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 uh, to promote regathering and stuff. And certainly, you do need to regather. Or you could go, you know, what this will be a great time for us to really emphasize uh, ministry at home. You know, uh, uh, doing home discipleship, home fellowships, and so say it's almost like, like this is a good time to almost reimagine some of it. It's an yeah. opportunity. To, yeah. to maybe make some changes, to implement some things, because it is kind of like a, a restart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so th- this is a time, instead of fretting and saying, I really, really wanted church to work this way. Uh, well, maybe this is a time where God is saying, hey, how about we go in this direction? Uh, and yeah, we still want to do what we are called to do. We still want to do what we're commanded to do. Uh, we're commanded to gather together. We're commanded to, uh, you know, for public worship. We're commanded to hear the preaching of the word together and so on. But in terms of equipping the saints to do the ministry, there's a lot of flexibility with that uh, in the scriptures. Uh, we can do that at home. We can do that at the coffee shop. We could do that over Zoom. Uh, I, I really don't want to do it over Zoom, but we could do it over Zoom. You know, there are all these ways that we could uh, that we could reimagine doing things in this moment uh, while we still await the time where we could kind of get back into a regular rhythm. So don't fret. Uh, there, there are ways that you can still disciple your people. There are ways that the flock can still be equipped to do the work of the ministry. We just pray that God will give us the creativity and the wisdom that we need that we may do it well in this season. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that encouragement, brother. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback that you'd be willing to give us. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope we've done that today with our conversation. And as always, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.